Hello and welcome to the Unmissables podcast. I'm Boyd Hilton. I'm joined, as ever, by my two glorious colleagues, Stephanie Seelan. We're your side chicks. We're your pod side chicks. That's what we are. Slightly sexist. Uh, oh, sure. God. Oh, right. I don't know if I feel comfortable no, being yeah. boy's chick. Yeah, yeah. If anything, Happy. he's my chick. Right. Well, steady. Let's not go down that road. This is the voice of Kay Ribeiro. Hello. And together... We trawl through the world of popular culture, the big things happening in popular culture, and it just so happens that most of the time they're huge television programmes, but we also mention some films and other stuff as well. Um, I'm definitely going to mention a film this week that Kay and I, uh, a little quick uh, spoiler alert preview, went to see um, the premiere of Murder on the Orient Express, which is out now, and we had a massive discussion and debate about it. Maybe we'll try and boil that down to its essence um, soon on this podcast, but the main meat uh, hold, of the show. Hold on, are you interrupting you went, the menu? Well, yeah, just because. You, when did you go to see the Orient Express? Where? When? when? The other night. Well, where was I? You're always busy. You're always out. You're always doing stuff. No, we can only get. Two, I'm also two seats. a massive Agatha Christie Poirot yeah. fan. That's what he should have said. That he was doing me a favour. I knew Kay's a big Agatha Christie Poirot fan. I didn't quite realise she's the world's foremost oh, she expert she on is. Hercule Poirot and all representations <laughs> oh. of him. No, no, she really is. She honestly, she, is. she talks about it a oh, lot. Uh, this is no joke. Oh. Yeah. Did anyway, she talk the whole way through. Oh, we'll come to that. She didn't talk during the film. That would have been outrageous. Anyway, but the main meat of the show is going to be previews of three... This is a drama special. This is a TV drama special. Did you know that? No. Yes, because we watch the stuff. Peaky Blinders, which starts next Wednesday on BBC Two, new fourth season, series, season. Thank the Lord. It's back. It's back. Big one-off 90-minute drama, The Boy With The Top Knot, next week on BBC Two on Monday. That's a huge big drama event, Kay. Oh. Yes, it is. And an even bigger drama event, the new Sunday night period drama slot on BBC One, coming from next Sunday, the 12th of November, is Howard's End, the E.M. Forster classic. Not Howard's Way, as me and Stephen being called. Not Howard's Way, which is the yachting drama (laughs) that was on in the 80s or 90s. When I saw it, I was like, oh, they've remade it. (laughs) No, it's Howard's End. We've got drama from all angles. Only Connect. Okay. Remember? Mm. Yep. It's the epigraph uh, of that novel okay. by Ian Forster. And of course, we'll talk about um, other stuff as well in the opening segment where we like to talk about what we've been watching this week. Reading. Last week, you read a book. I Steph? read. I read a book, yeah. That's Have you read any more books this no, week? No, because one a year is that's enough, enough for me. That's My enough. little eyes true. can't take it true. anymore. That's true. I hope you're back watching stuff. I'm back watching Usually stuff. Usually on Netflix, let's face it. Yep. Sometimes legally. And, uh, <gasps> oh, and, uh, should I start with Kay? Kay, what have you been watching this week? Oh, you looked at me like I was mad there while you took a sip of your She's taking a sip of her tea. tea. Right, first of all, I watched Louis Theroux talking to anorexia. Did oh, yeah. anyone watch it? It is so good. I think it might be my favourite of the ones he's done recently. And it is just brilliant. Because as we know, Louis is a great documentary maker. He's very good at talking to people. But I think with this one, he's able to connect with them on a deeper level than he has with any of his other subjects. Only connect. Yeah, because... <laughs> Why do you keep saying Only Connect? Sorry, uh, just to explain, Only Connect is... It, Howard's End, I studied Howard's End for A-level. So, I, you know, like Kay is an expert on Poirot. Right. I'm an expert on Howard's End. And the ep- the, the thing, the epigraph, I think it's called, or the, okay. the kind of motto of it yeah. in the book, by enforce, is Only Connect. It's all about connecting people from different classes and backgrounds. and So it's oh. a great... And it's a great thing through life to think only connect so anyway that's I why thought I you were Kay. talking about that really difficult game show no that's where they got the title from so only connect oh, the really difficult game show hosted by what's her name oh my god it's impossible yeah it is impossible. it's named after the M Forster used to only it? connect in Howard Center. and now we've just interrupted Kay and her she was oh, talking about furious. the movie through show carry on no but it's only connect it's yes. absolutely right because that's what he does and he's brilliant at it and he just I mean, we all know, obviously, about anorexia, but I feel like I learned so much more from watching this. It was very informative and educational, obviously very emotional. And he talks to these three women, well, more than three women, who are in, some of them are in a facility and don't leave, some are allowed to go home. And it, like, obviously explores the reasons why, you know, they suffer from this eating disorder. Some of them, what a lot of them seem to break it down to is, one, a feeling of, like, unworthiness, which is obviously incredibly sad and another part is down to having a trauma either in their past um like being bullied or down to a bad relationship with someone and then this is their way of kind of having control it's a very much a control mechanism that they start you know doing this and a way of numbing the pain anyway so he talks to these three particular women and one of them has been an anorexia she's like in her 
I think she's in her 60s now. She's been anorexic for 20, 30 years. God. And, like, it's... It, is it depressing, though? No, it's, it's, it's not... I mean, it is obviously a depressing subject, but there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel because some of them look like they will make a recovery. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, it's not going to be anytime soon. They say sometimes it can take up to eight, ten years. You know, ten like, years. oh, God, it can take even longer than that. But this woman, the one in her 60s, she's does want to get better, but she almost has, like, these kind of a psychological game with Louis in that, you know, she has put on a bit of weight. So she's like, oh, you know, how do you feel like look and stuff? And then he goes, I'm not going to answer this because I know that I can't give you... I, I would say the wrong thing and she goes yeah because if you say yeah I have I'm going to stop eating for a week and if he says she hasn't then obviously that feeds into you know it's incredible and then there's one woman who is really feisty I really like her and she just can't even see that she's got a problem she's very like she gives him a short shrift she's very like she's very engaging funny but she just can't see that she's got a problem but he's able to like really just get to the nub of the issue with her and then there's one woman and it's really sad she's really young and she's had it for like i don't know 10 years at anorexia and she she wants to get better but because she's because the illness has kind of infantilized her she's scared of getting better because you know then she's going to this yeah she'll have to move on she's in this big scary world where you know and so it's just i honestly i'd urge everyone it's a must watch it's on iplayer so Mm. check it out it's it's particularly good louis theroux talking to anorexia um, the other thing is, I did a bit of listening with my ears. Listening with your ears? I did. Did you listen to a pod, another pod apart Yes. This? Yeah, the Tim Ferriss show with Ariana Huffington. Oh. Look, you listen to who? Tim Ferriss? You don't know about Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss is a legend. <laughs> is he? Tim Ferriss podcast. He's an absolute legend. I can't believe I you can't believe you're know. joking. I'm not joking, no. Oh. I don't, I don't, I, I've, this is Kay, a... this is Kay. No, this Kay's forum, Kay. Well, he, he talks to, like, inspirational people, and Ariana Huffington was one of them, and obviously she is the founder of HuffPo, Post, yeah. as we know. And where, but they, it's, where they don't pay people for their contributions. I'm not sure how inspirational that is. Oh, Boyd, come on. Boyd, stop it. You've come gone out of it at this thing where you're just, you know, stealing Kay's thunder. Listen, no, we've all, we've all, but also we've all done stuff for free. I mean, hello, this is how I got my job at Heat. I did work experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Well, it's different. Anyway, I know it's different, no, it is different, but anyway, Let's not so, get bogged down in my um, no, but snotty comments. I understand, no, I understand, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Snooty Magooty. But, yes. She's a fascinating figure. She is a fascinating figure, and she talks about how she, like, set up HuffPo, but also, which I found really interesting, is... She, when she was living in um, Greece, because that's where she's from, and she talks about her like very kind of poor upbringing, um, and she really wanted to go to Cambridge. She's seen a picture in a magazine of Cambridge, and she decided she wanted to go there, and all her family were going... Cambridge the place or Cambridge the university? University, sorry. Oh, right. And said, you know... Just oh, a day give trip to Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Do some punting. I'm going to get that. Yeah, I want to get one of them at Oxford. With the big sticks. Anyway. I don't know. And she said, give, you know, her, her dad was like, you know, kind of give up that dream. You don't speak English. Kind of get over it. But her mum, who was quite eccentric or like forward thinking, who's very into visualisation, was like, found a way of taking her there. Just to, not even to meet anyone, just to look around, taking her surroundings. So that when she came back, she could really just visualise that and focus on that. And then she studied and she got a scholarship to Cambridge. She became the first, uh, no, I think the third woman of the debate society, you know, like the union. Yeah. Mm. Um, and like, it's just an mm. incredible so things. Basically, she visualised going to Cambridge and then and she studied. Went, if if yeah. that could happen just in real life. It can happen. Visualisation, it's a thing. Yeah, I'm going to visualise... Um, being the next president of the United States. You would so that be wasn't great. Born, you would born honestly, no. I mean, but you you're would be more intelligent, so it's fine. Thanks. You would be great. So um, that's an episode of Yes, it's one episode. He speaks so to different people. the series is, who, who, like, what other the people? The Tim Ferriss Show. Oh, he's spoken to everyone. He's done Jamie Foxx. He does loads. Of, he does, he's done Kevin Costner. He just mm, absolutely, okay. you should check him out. He's you need really to get good. on it. Okay. He's really, really inspirational. You have to fast forward like 10 minutes in though, because he's got so many oh, sponsors. Well, like Mark Maron, like the WTF. Yeah, I In the podcast space between Mark Maron, WTF, who's very like, kind of emotional, I don't right. know, you know, interrupty. It, yeah. I love the WTF podcast where he interviews two famous people each week or sometimes yeah. more. And then there's the, like, the uh, Alec Baldwin one. Yeah. So oh. where does this one okay, fit in? Okay, so Tim Ferriss is very, like, practical things and learning how people have made themselves better in their oh, life. Okay. It's kind of very... And he lets them talk. Yeah. He lets them uh, just, like... Let's it was... talk. Extraordinary. <laughs> no, but you know how Alec Baldwin just... In, I, I my beef is, like, he interrupts every yeah. 30 yeah. seconds about an have... anecdote about Alec Baldwin. Like, I interrupt. Do they have... Do they have 
policymakers. You know, like Alec Baldwin. In that oh, introduction. Oh, yeah, the policymakers. Let it go. <laughs> we he talk does, to. He does have policymakers on there. Actors, directors, boy. writers, and right. policymakers. Okay. I think listen, that might be better than your Prince Albert impression. No, listen, boy, they did have on there like the people who were like Which in charge of all the zoning. Maker? He had the person that was in charge of like all of the historical buildings in New York. Boy, there's a long running argument. This is a long running argument with me, Boyd. It's. Listen, but he Can does. I just say this? If he didn't have policymakers on there, I'd say, do you know what, boys, you're right. But he does have policymakers on this. there. So no policymakers on this programme. Well, God, God, we'd be in trouble <laughs> you don't then, know what, we? You don't know what me and Steph are doing in our spare time. Oh, that's yeah. true. We're making a lot of policies. Um, anyway, so um, that so, was the other uh, thing. And what's the name of that podcast? The Tim Ferriss Show. Excellent. I'm going to check it out. You really do. should. It's great. I'm Start go- with well, Ariana Huffington. I'm going to. When? The f- Today? I'm going to do it. It's, it's, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to crank it up on my iPod, put the headphones on, listen to it on the way to the Apple store where I pick up my iPhone 10. Um, anyway, hopefully you will do any I'm kind supposed of to pick up hours ago. That's it's like a digital. I'm not getting anything out of it. That is a technical. Well, it sounds name like you're getting drop. a phone, boy. You will name I'm drop for it. You're name Boss dropping a phone. Money. You're name dropping I'm a phone. Like, anyway. I want to see a receipt for that. Um, Anyway. Anyway, what have you been listening to, watching, reading this week, Steph? Hey, I don't now. I don't like to bring up old arguments that we've had, right? <laughs> oh God, here well, we go. No, I don't. I'm I ready don't, for you today, but just I'm so you forced know. to. Okay. <laughs> now, I just cast regular it's listeners. It's going to be John Bishop, isn't it? That we all agreed together to watch a little series on the Netflix called Riverdale. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when we all agreed to watch that? Well, Steph, as you know, I don't have Netflix, so I mean, I don't know how you thought that was going to happen, unless I'm going to come for a viewing party at your house. Okay. Which I'm happy to do. Please do, to do come. And the net, you not having Netflix is absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, right. <laughs> Riverdale, because neither of you watched season one, you don't know what happened. But season two's started, and I've started watching it, and it's great. So unfortunately for you, I'm going to have to spoil it and tell you what has happened. No. You're never going to watch well, it. you're spoiling it for us, you're yeah. spoiling it for the listeners you're as well. No, you because I'm only going to talk about the first woman. episode. Oh, okay. I'm not going to talk about it. And there's like five episodes on. Will you not think of the Pogs? Listen, the Pogs. But the Pogs were with me, because when I said, let's all watch Riverdale, they were probably like, yeah, Steph, come on, let's watch Riverdale together. Mm. Unlike you thought in her head. Anyway, when we left season one, okay, Bloss... The, She's putting a Kay's putting her fingers in her ears. Yeah. Okay. Cheryl Blossom had set fire to the mansion because yeah. she had found out who killed. I'm not going to spoil it completely. Who had mm. killed her twin brother? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then also Fred, who was he's the dad of Archie. Okay. He was shot and we didn't know what oh, happened. Yeah. No, I'm what, just saying you know. Fred, what's happened well, to Fred? well, I can't going to spoil it. I'm just telling you, we do find out what happens. Good. And Good. then Hiram Lodge, who's Veronica's Lodge's dad, comes back. And you know, I told you last uh, last pod that it was going to be he was going to be Mark Consuelos. It is Mark Consuelos, and he's great in it. Kenny Mark Ripper's Consuelos hus- from, um, Ken- from Kelly Ripper's husband. Kenny, from Kelly Ripper's husband. Yeah, the job as with, Kelly Ripper's husband. Live with Kelly and, and Mark. No, live with Kelly live and Ryan Kelly and now. Ryan. You have to yeah, keep up. It sorry. was live with Kelly and Let's Michael. Let's just say, in case we what don't know. What is this? Live, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, um, it's, what, it's good it's a this good morning, morning isn't it? It's, it's, like, morning. It's, a, it's a morning show in America. And I used to be obsessed with live with Regis and yes. Kelly. Regis Philbin is a legend. Yeah. And, they, and Kelly, they used to do it together. And it was it's kind of like, it's like their version of this morning, like Richard and Judy or something. It's brilliant. Oh, it's okay. Obviously, ten times better. And um, yeah, and now it's her and who? Her, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, that's it, him. <laughs> Famous Heat Radio is Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, exactly. Our friend. Okay. Sort of. Right. The uh, I actually also have watched some Louis Theroux stuff. Oh, what do you mean? Oh my god, it's a Theroux fest. I know. And when Kay said Louis Theroux, I thought, oh no, should I mention it? But I'm yeah. just gonna quickly no. mention it because Please. it was it's an older Louis Theroux that I didn't had somehow mm. missed. It was from 2015. Uh, by Louis Theroux's two parter by reason of insanity. And so oh, he I watched that one. You should it really, really is good. Is it an iPlayer? Yeah, it's on iPlayer. So I and I got really confused. I thought it was because I watched all the Dark States, and I was like, "Oh, is this part of the Dark States?" No, it isn't. But it just comes up as another suggestion. So it's a two-parter where it's the first time that he's been allowed to go. That someone's been allowed to go into kind of these um, kind of these facilities where people have committed crimes, but they have. They, they're not fit to stand trial, so they are in these facilities until either they are fit to stand trial or they do their whole sentence there. I didn't know that existed, that place it's existed. fascinating. So there's like a guy in there who, he, he, was, he basically, he shot, he killed, he killed his dad, right? And he's like, and he's talking perfectly normally, but they're going through therapy to kind of try and understand what they did. But it's this really awful situation where you think, 
blimey, right? So they, they're going to give them so much therapy to get them to understand that what they did was wrong, but then they've got to deal with the realisation that they killed somebody, where before they're kind of living in some kind of, this is not the right thing to say, but kind of blissful ignorance in a way, that they don't know what they, they don't think what they did was wrong because they've obviously got a mental illness. And it's just absolutely fascinating. There's a woman in there who's like, they're never going to let me out, but what they don't realise is that I'm Jesus. It's brilliant. Oh, wow. It's absolutely brilliant. And Louis is amazing the whole way through. It's I'm great. obsessed with Louis's eyebrows. Yeah. Have you? you ever... Yeah. I think yeah, they're, they're even good. better than um, Nick Hewer from The Apprentice. He conveys so much with his eyebrows. Mm. I was he watching really something... Does. Yeah. Great eyebrows. He's got great eyebrows. I just want to mention one last thing as well. Now, I know you guys are not into the true crime stuff that I am, but I did mention it a little while back. But Law & Order, True Crime... The Menendez Brothers with Edie Falco playing the lawyer is so good. It's a five-parter. It's on Sky. You can get it all on catch-up. It wrapped it? up this. It wrapped up this week. It's great. Edie Falco's amazing. Edie so Falco the Menendez, of Sopranos fame. Of Sopranos fame. Yeah. You know the Menendez murders, the brothers that, that huge, killed their parents. Huge phenomenon in America. Qu- it's kind of in the same ilk as the you know the OJ thing. Yeah, was that it was called? a huge. But it's. it's but no, I mean the people like, versus OJ. Yeah, that series, OJ. yeah. This is but so it Edie takes Falco, that, it dramatizes that yeah, legendary. It's fabulous. Yeah, no, I want to see that series. Yeah, yeah and that's on the what? That's on what? That's uh, on Sky. Oh, is it? On yeah, Sky? so you can okay. watch it on Catch Up. That's, I've learned a lot from you two um, well, in this podcast. We aim to please. You're not going to learn anything from me because I'm just going to go on a series of name dropping exercises. As hey, break um, habit. Yeah. Just you need to let me know if we're going to do Boyd's Oscar Watch. We can do that because I need to get the tings ready. Um, we may rest Oscar Watch this week. Okay. Yeah, just on the basis that. You haven't seen any Oscar-worthy Oscar films? Yeah, because the only film we've seen is Murder on the Express. I don't think that's going to win any Oscars. Oh, poor yeah. Kevin. It might win some technical ones. Maybe. I don't know. Mm, Cinematography, maybe. maybe. But no, it's more TV-based um, okay. discussions. I went to two TV preview events this week. Ooh. One was, um, of course, Motherland, which we reviewed last week. Was it last week or the week before? Last week. Last, last week. week. The Sharon Horgan, Holly Walsh, Helen Linehan, Graham Linehan scripted um, excellent a uh, half-hour comedy show about the perils of modern-day mother parenting. And they're all mother there, um, except for Graham, who was back. So Graham was, ironically enough, looking after his kids while his wife um, was in... Helen was there oh, the As it should be. As Life should be. imitating art. And they live Indeed. in Norfolk. So, yeah. I mean, what? It's, it's, yeah. They live in Norfolk? Yeah. Indeed. She travelled. Yeah, people live in oh, people right. live outside London. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, oh, we love everyone must, from all the regions everywhere. He must spend a fortune on the trains because he must need to be in London all the time. I think, he, I think he's pretty much happily based in... Uh, Sky, based there, yeah. FaceTime, I think he, mobile phone. Yeah, right. Well, They're able to communicate. Correct. Um, but anyway, why they showed two episodes. We previewed episode one, which we all loved, mm-hmm. didn't we? Oh, oh brilliant. The Fantastic. second episode is even better. Is it? It's so good. It, it revolves around... Um, you know Lucy Punch's character, the re- the, the yeah. boss mum, the A-list mum, the, the one, blonde, the tall, bossy blonde, one, perfect the mean girl mum. Yeah, the mean girl mum, exactly. She has this incredible. Sp- it's all about they have a special um, kind of charity event to raise money for um, the music room, <laughs> the instruments <laughs> in the music room. Anyway, it, all, it climaxes with her making this incredible kind of speech to all the other mums oh in the gosh. school. It's phenomenal. It is incredible. Oh, she's so awful. Yeah, she's but amazing. Brilliantly awful. Yeah, and um, but it was great to see them all, and they all listened to our review. Is what I'm going to say. Oh. Um, and they were very nice about it and very grateful. And it was oh, lovely Sharon that they Morgan. Sharon listened to it and she was interested oh, in you too, like Sharon. who you were, you know, like. I hope you picked you... us up, boys. Of course, you... I picked her up. Good. And um, it was great. So it was just good to have that feedback. They, they were all like, you know, and then I felt slightly embarrassed. I was thinking, what did we say? And then we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, I'm hastily trying to think. What did well, you as do? long as you didn't meet anyone who wrote Sick Note, then that'll be fine because obviously <laughs> okay. I didn't meet anyone who wrote Sick Note. <laughs> uh oh. But now you mentioned I didn't meet an actress in Sick Note. And oh my god, please yeah. don't say she listened to the podcast. Well, no, she didn't know. Oh, she yeah. didn't know. Uh, listeners, Ooh. regular and listeners will remember that last week. I was a bit grumpy new, last week. The new Rupert Grint uh, drama. It's almost like a dramedy, isn't it? It's a dramedy. It's a comedy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an edgy comedy. It's Nick a dark Frost. comedy. It's, it's dark. hilarious. Yeah. It's about him. He gets, he gets misdiagnosed with cancer and it's a hard kind of. Yeah, it's like a comedy drama, dark comedy. Yeah. Kay absolutely ripped it to <laughs> shreds. It. I know. Slated can the can whole I just thing. say, right, I was a bit grumpy last week. You were. Right? I, I think that when I, when I think back, I was a bit grumpy. When However, I, I do, when I, when I ponder All those days night, ago. We'll take um, that as an apology. No, but I, I do agree that I do think it was predictable. Anyway. Oh, you're saying you're grumpy, but, but you still stand by it. I oh, maybe went on a bit. Here's the interesting. Helen Linehan, um, who, one of the writers, the four writers of, of Motherland, her mm. brother is James Serafinowicz, what, the co-writer of... Oh, oh God. Mind blown. What? Yeah. No, a sick, sick note. note. 
Yeah. Oh, no. do they hate K now? Yeah. Well, I don't think they've listened to the podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's we didn't go. Not. We didn't get into it. But but Helena was perfectly right, thought was perfectly right that we gave that her show five stars and Signal only oh, four good. stars. Well, I mean that, that is priority. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there was that. Yeah. Everyone, watch out. Keep watching. Um, oh, but Motherland is all on iPlayer. I don't all know of it I, now. It's on. Well, no, it will be on t- today. I think. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. If you listen is to it this on Tuesday, it's a drop. It's an oh, iPlayer drop. Whole series is going to be available. Because we're not allowed to say drop now. Arrive. It's an arrive. It's an arrive. I'm not saying that. I think BBC don't mind if you say it's drop. It's Netflix. It's a dump. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't, anyway. let, I don't let Netflix dictate what I say. Not me neither. No. All six episodes of Motherland are available to watch now, and they and it's a brilliant series. The other quickly, let me quickly say, I went to see Inside Number Nine, which is my one of my favourite of all things. Oh. It's such a brilliant show. It's the show. It's the anthology show. Every episode is different. Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton create it, write every single episode. Mm-hmm. The, there's three series so far. They've written, they've Made the fourth. It's not going to be out till January, but they had a screening just before Halloween, classically timed at the BFI for very special people. Um, and um, were you there? I was there. And they showed. <laughs> so sorry, you just, just a, a, you're very special. <laughs> very special people and me. Okay. And um, they they showed two episodes. And they were so good. Like one of them. What's it about? Like is it a bit so like each v? episode? No, no, it's not like V at all. Inside, no, you never, neither of you watched Inside Number Nine. No, I but think, are you not getting that from our, our, our confused yeah, faces? But I just feel like I'm just furious that you go. So what you got to do? I think they're on. They're definitely available to watch somewhere, either iPlayer or Netflix or somewhere. Or I'll just lend you the, my DVDs. Okay. Anyway, it's and a we'll good, lend it's you the books. So, Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton of of League of Gentlemen's fame. Obviously, they like their kind of dark, slightly warped, um, you know, kind of almost horror horror comedy stuff. You know, like how. Comedy. Comedy. Okay, right. Comic right. com- com- <laughs> horror. Um, so that that one of the so inside number nine is every episode is a completely different story, and the only thing that links them is the fact that it's written by those two, and usually starring those two, but not always. And each one is its own self-contained story completely, and it's like you know, like Black Mirror. It's like their own kind of okay. weird, usually like. Often in the past, they've been quasi-horror. Is but, it silly? But Sounds funny. silly. Some of them are silly. Why does it sound silly? I don't know. It just does. You've taken against it already, which well, is outrageous. I, I Okay, horror comedy I don't think is a thing that can happen. I think that's probably what it is. Well, if you want proof that it can, watch Inside Number okay. 9. That's what right. I'm saying. Anyway, but each one, they do... So one was a silent episode, one of the very first ones, I think, in the first, it was completely silent. Mean? Silent, like a silent film. That's no dialogue. Ridic- See, that is ridiculous. Oh, my God. How's... I didn't realise you're so small-minded, Steph. Why didn't you realise? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I, beginning. I, mean, that, I know. The, 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 yeah. What the hell? That's my thing. Look, that's her jazz. That's thing. I like what I like. I don't like what I don't like. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Another the last series, um, they did the whole episode, which was people singing karaoke, and it was just people's karaoke Boyd, song choices. I'm going to level with you. It sounds terrible. Oh my god. It does. I I'm so will glad watch I brought it. Up. It does. When's it on? Because we can then. I'm just going to talk to K. K understands how exciting this is. Anyway, in the two new episodes, one of them is written in Shakespearean. Iambic oh pentameter oh God, and rhyming worse. couplets. Oh, How about no. that? Well, and it's brilliant. It's all set in a hotel, and it's people get a, like a fast people going in and out. And you just it's set in the hotel corridor, and you see all the characters going in and out of the doors. And it, it's absolutely brilliant, absolutely phenomenal. Another one was told backwards, like Relic. Remember oh Relic? Oh God! So this <laughs> no, episode, no. this is the brilliant thing, right? I'm out. This episode. <laughs> I wasn't half ever in hour episode. No, it's it's a kind of murder kind of comedy thing, and it showed and it goes back ten minutes. Each scene goes back ten minutes, ten minutes previously, but it's a lot more easy to digest and understand than Relic. <laughs> and someone asked them about Relic, and Reese Jewsmith joked. Like he said, "Yeah, the only difference is Relic was shit." He said, <gasps> and everyone, I went, "Ooh, I gasped." <laughs> yeah. And then he went, "I've watched it. I've watched. It. I'm just joking." But it was funny. It was Too funny. late to backtrack now. So that is my summary. But, I mean, I wish we had time to go into Murder on the Only Express because Kay well, and I did go and it, see then. it. Let's, shall we just... Shall we just <laughs> I'm going to ask John. Right, John, do they have time to go into Murder on the Only Express? It's a thumbs up from John. So a out, silent thumbs up. It is out now in cinemas. It is... I mean, we both, we're both big Agatha Christie fans, mm. Kay and I. Kay is obsessed with Pro to the point where, you know, <laughs> she, she... I mean, we came out of this film. Here's my summary, and then Kay can say okay, what her version yeah, yeah, of the argument was. Yeah, I'll need to hear both was. sides, I'm afraid. So we're talking about what we thought of it, and, and then Kay seized upon... Um, like, well, let's just say what we thought about, not the... Like, we thought it was a beautiful, lavishly it's brilliantly filmed... brilliantly made. So Lavish. much star. I mean, God, they've Visually got... spectacular. Should we just say for people that might not know that this is obviously Agatha Christie's famous book, Murder on the Orient Express. So most famous... Remade yeah, Ken Branagh, Branagh directed it, starring Penelope in it Cruz, Judy Dench, 
Michelle Pfeiffer, Johnny Depp, William Defoe, Olivia Coleman, all these people. Okay. It's been filmed, there was a 1974 version, very famous, starring Albert Phineas, Albert Phineas Poro, yeah. directed by Sidney Lumet, that I love. There was a TV, there was a Poro starring your hero, David Suchet, Suchet that version on Poro. ITV a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Mm. This is a new, this is, and, that, and the thing, the kind of unique selling point of this version is, it's a visual spectacular. So even okay. though, really, it's about, what, what, 12, 13 characters on a train being interrogated by Poro, they've turned into this huge lavish thing with an avalanche and people fighting outside and him walking on the train, okay, controversially, according to Gay. So it's definitely the most spectacular version okay. so far. My feeling about the film as a whole, I really enjoyed it. I think we both enjoyed yeah. it, didn't we? So this is going to sound probably more critical than I mean it to. I felt it was a bit rushed, like from the, when the murder happens to the solution, it was a bit rushed. But I did think that it was incredibly entertaining and I really enjoyed it. But that was my main critique Fine. of it. Okay. Say what you got to say, Kay. Okay, so when we came out of the cinema, Boyd was like, what did you think of Poirot? And I, I went into it knowing that I would probably take against him because it wasn't David Suchet, who is my favourite Poirot. Well, he is Poirot. He is Poirot, right? And then I was giving my reasons to Boyd. And, I, I mean, he, by the end of our conversation, was making me feel like I was a lunatic. Can I right? hear your reasons? Okay. Why? Anyone, who, anyone who's read the book in detail or has watched the show knows that the whole thing about Poirot is that he's very fastidious about the way he talks, the way he looks. You know, he's very particular, yes. very measured. Everything has to be just so. So in the film, they made a, a real point of a couple of times at the beginning, really setting out the stall of like, oh, you know, he measured that his eggs were the same height and da-da-da to kind of like adhere to that yeah. quality. But my problem was that throughout, from the beginning, it should have been, he should have been like that throughout. It should have been consistent. So that is lazy. What, that, is because, that, were, that is what Poirot is like, right? Yeah. So my thing was, I brought up the fact that in the first scene, Poirot had this waistcoat on that was the wrong size for him, was rumpled. And uh, later on, his tie happen. was askew. He would never be happen. like that, right? And the way no, he was he talking, and like he wasn't a very jovial character usually. You know, he's very like measured and particular. And he just wasn't like that in so many different ways. Yeah. Like um, there was a bit where he... Um, was talking to Johnny Depp and they were having dessert and something and like he just grabbed a spoon and started sharing Johnny Depp's dessert. He wouldn't. Right. Let's just not, say it. It's a duff now. It's let's a duff. Just, first of all, he wouldn't do. Let's he wouldn't be share Let's have an accurate recollection. Of okay, scene. go on. Johnny Depp sits. Johnny Depp's gangster character offers. Mm. Poirot, some of his dessert. The whole thing bi- is built around, it's like a mousse, looks like a kind of chocolate mousse type that's thing. That's by the by. Johnny Depp offers... Depp's character says, sit me down and you can have some of my dessert. And, and, and Branagh ag- consents, so he wants to have this meeting, that he will have some dessert. And yeah, they all dis- gets his own spoon. That's just, that was a slight miss... He would mis- never share a dessert. Well, it was a slight... I'm biased telling of that. I, I, you can establish that. Why but you is claim there not that enough dessert gr- for just, other people? And what I'm saying is, let's yeah. just have accuracy. Kate, did you try and claim that he suddenly... Started eating the dessert, shoving his face in it. That didn't happen. <laughs> I just, I just. Let me. Here's my point about uh, this is my okay. intrigue, my intriguing. Uh, I was intrigued by Kay's critique of the ruffled waistcoat and the wherever the other, the, 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 the askew tie. So Clay, Kay was saying, what I couldn't get past. He was, didn't have a top hat as well, by the way. What oh, I couldn't get past sake. was Kay was critiquing the film, saying that it was they take too many liberties from the usual character because he wasn't fastidious enough and perfect enough. What I'm saying in the script. It makes it quite clear that he is obsessively fastidious because it opens with him with the whole thing about his eggs being the right size. He talks to... There's dialogue about where he talks to someone else about not having their bow tie straight twice in the film. And it makes it quite clear that fastidiousness is his thing. But the fact that... Let me quickly finish. The fact that, he's, that he... That apparently, I didn't notice, had, the, had the, the waistcoat was too small and it was creased. Rumpled his tie and was... And his tie. You. That's a critique of the costume person. No, Whose not. job it is to make sure... It's not, it's not, got it wasn't, it's not in the script. Doesn't say in the script say. Yeah, but who, does who, the script who, say? Let me finish. Poro's ties are skewed. No, his waistcoat's too small. Stop. That's Look, a technical point. Stop got the what? madness. Who, stop who, the madness. Who is directing this though? Someone surely is checking this stuff. Right. The costume designer just allowed to Kenneth do Kenneth Branagh directed. The irony is, is Kenneth Branagh directed himself as Poro, and he didn't notice the. Ruffles. He should have straightened his effing ties. All I I'm just, saying. I'm with Kay on continuity. You are. You can't just. You can't just like. It's a consistency of a character. If the character is very particular, very fussy, he's not going to be like this. This film is absolutely. Ruined and by a by a bow tie and a waistcoat. Stephanie, so nice try, Branna. Get me nice started. Nice try, Branna, but it's over. Do not even get me started on his moustache. Anyway, okay. let's move. On. I've seen a picture of the moustache. It's, it's not right. It's, it's comical. Thick. Oh. It's not right. Don't get me wrong. If it's true that the um, that the ties are skew and that and, and it's not that's a critique of that's a critique of the that's a critique of the continuity and the costume people, but it's not a critique of the script. Why can I ask? 
David yes. Tuchet. Why don't they? Is David Tuchet past? No, he's very present. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Quick, David Tuchet, a live check. And I've just found out David, he's on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> David Tuchet. Why didn't they just get David Tuchet to do it? Well, then it would have been like the film version of the ITV series. Well, what's wrong with that? Jesus and I have to say, this could Christ. actually be... I know it's very cinematic and stuff, but you could actually watch this Do on TV. Do you know TV. what? That was going to be my, my question. Mm. Is it one of those things that actually you could watch on TV? I think so, at Christmas time. Definitely. That rustling you can hear is Boyd <laughs> rustling the Kinder Egg that I provided him with. Are we allowed to say Kinder Egg? Got yeah, we've already said Apple and another a load of other stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think we're going to get sued. No, but we might get some free We're not the BBC. <laughs> yes. We don't Send have to mention every other kin confectionery maker. It's fine. In fact, if anything, they'd probably be happy, I imagine. Because yeah. Kinder Eggs are delicious. Um, <laughs> as, as was the uh, visual spectacle. I actually think... The whole point of this, funny enough, the whole point of this version of Murder, the last thing I'm going to say about it, Murder on the Orient Express, is that you're supposed to go and see it in the bloody cinema because it is the most visually spectacular version ever, and that's the whole point. Anyway, but we're, well, we're, 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 we're it's three stars for me. The look, the rating hangs on a waistcoat, and unfortunately, that <laughs> waistcoat is ruffled. I don't know what I'm going to see. I get, thank, I'm going to go and I was going to go and see it again. It's so not I just to check the waistcoat. The it's the way, the way he talks. It. It's, it's the way he walks. Yeah, are you it's the way he dresses. Or are you it's his like behaviour. Oh, he got, doesn't adhere I've to the so characteristics many, and traits of Hercule right. Poirot. I've got so many creases in my waistcoat. Okay. Anyway, let's get on to the meat of the show. Okay, seething, furious. Can I just say, as a last point, right? Okay, one last point, and then we must absolutely must move on. I hate to be you, but we. All I would say is, if someone asks you a question and your opinion on something, as Boyd did after this screening, right? When when I give him a long answer, a forty-minute journey, he can't roll his eyes and say I'm a maniac. Okay, and that's the, and that is the end of it. Okay, that is it, Boyd. I can see you want to say something, but I'm no, afraid I'm, I'm afraid Let's we're going to call it a I'm very happy to leave it there. <laughs> okay, meet me. Sums Come it on, up. Let's, go. <laughs> Let's talk about three. BBC dramas. It's a BBC drama special, I've just realised. It's not even just a TV drama special. It's like oh, we it's planned it. It's a celebration of all the new dramas that are starting next week on the BBC. And I thought we'd start with an oldie and a goodie and a favourite. Peaky Blinders. The and Peaky I could, Blinders. Listeners, Steph is literally oh. rubbing our hands oh. with glee. So you can tell us where we are in Peaky Blinder world oh, and okay. what happens in this first episode of season four and what you think of it. Thought right. of it even. Okay, so for people who haven't watched Peaky Blinders, I think this is, this is the fourth season of Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders is all about the Shelby family who are a family of wrong-uns. They are, they've got illegal gambling, they're always killing people. It's just everything horrendous. Now, what is that? What is the time it's set in, Boyd? It's kind of... Twenties. Twenties, okay. Right, so the lead, the lead Peaky Blinder, it, uh, Thomas Shelby, is played by Cillian Murphy. Cillian? Oh, Killian. Surely Cillian. I say Cillian. Oh, well, I think... Think of it's... what he likes to do as a character, kill. Is it Killian? I think he's Irish. Sorry, uh, I mean, who knows? But it's an interesting uh, point. When we will, we will. Uh... Oh, sorry, Irish people. If it let's is. call no, Cillian. No. You may be right. Cillian. No, Killian. I don't think I call am Cillian. now. No, Cillian. 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 Yep. Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Okay, he plays. Yeah. So basically, Still he kill. plays. The, he's the head of the family. Okay, set in Birmingham, so they've all got the perfect Birmingham accent. It's also got Helen McCrory in it as his sister, and Fantastic. she oh, is so brilliant. Okay, so they've been through loads. I'm not going to go through the, everything that's ever happened to them, but they've been through lots <laughs> of trials and tribulations. But this series starts with and again it starts in it's in the first scene so i'm not spoiling anything tommy okay says to them is laying out money and says to them you know you're all going to get basically you're all going to get arrested there's warrants out for your arrest and then they all get sent to prison Kay's looking at me like I've spoiled something. Have I spoiled something? No, you something? haven't spoiled okay. it. Not at all, no. Right. no, not at all. So they, they, all get sent, they all get sent to prison and then obviously they're all very, very unhappy with uh, Thomas Shelby and then it fast forwards to a year and then it starts from there where they, each family member gets a letter in the post which is a black hand which means the mafia are after them Okay, mm. for, and if you're a fan of this show, you'll know that they killed a member of an Italian mafia family and... The amazing thing about this series, which has obviously also had um, Tom, what's his face? Hardy. Hardy in it. This series has got Adrian Brody in it, and he yeah. is the mafioso, and it is going to be amazing. It's all going to go off. It is all going to go off. Now, you, you, so you're clearly a uh, Peaky fan, oh, even though you can't Peaky pronounce fan. Cillian Killian Murphy's oh, name properly. Still kill. It's fine. Still it. kill. Mr. Um, Murphy. Are you a, a, a Peaky fan? I've, I've got the sense that you're a virgin. Um, Demi-Virgin, oh, because Virgin. I've watched two episodes when I was on a judging panel, and that's all I've watched. Of which judging series? Um, one of them. <laughs> 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 one of the series. Two episodes yeah. of one I, of the I series. I did enjoy it, but I, did not got, I haven't got round but to catching did. up. Okay. So what did we think of this return? Of What did you think? 
I thought it was so an amazing. The, fan. Like, the whole episode, the the ending is just oh, insane. Don't I'm not going to say. Refer. I'm, no, I'm just going to say the ending is insane. But also, and it's all the way through, it's just oh god, it's just hit after hit of like scary tension, and that. Helen McCroy, do you know what? That woman just gets better mm. and better. This char- Her character in that is just... Polly has, is the name of the, the sister. She just gets... Oh, she's brilliant and she's gone a little yeah. bit mad. And it's just perfect. I love the whole thing. Obviously, Annabelle Wallace, who played Thomas Shelby's love interest, who sadly passed away not in real life in the series and so he's still got his little he's got still got his little boy and he's obviously very depressed and sad so they're all scattered the family are all scattered but they've got to come back together and yeah. that is what you're going to see in this first and episode no no guest appearance by John Bishop this time with as Helen McCrory's um, photojournalist hey Boyd what other dramatic roles has John Bishop played since that um, role in that series that I can't remember the name of None. Do you know why? Because he wasn't very good at it. This is probably on a back that off. 200, back off 200 date stand-up tour. I imagine. Yeah, because Kay. he's excellent at that. Kay, how did this measure up to well, the two previous gonna... mystery episodes you watched? <laughs> I was just going to say, as well as the ending, so I said that Gunpowder had the best, most tense intro, like five, six-minute intro to a series that I've ever seen. And actually, I think this one is even more tense. I think this is like... I, I won't say what happens, but... We can say what happens in the opening, I think. No. Really? No, no don't say it's it. too much of a no. Okay, well, we can say that all, all, all the members of this family are, in, are kind of in, in peril. jeopardy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. High jeopardy, and how and how that's very high jeopardy. Very, very clever, yeah. yeah. It's, it is like one. I thought what was very, what I think is very, very most impressive about Peaky Blinders, and it's Stephen Knight. I think is the is the creator and writer of most of it, if not all of it, is that he makes it very. Uh, each episode is like a little film. It's like an hour-long film mm. to me, like a really yeah. clever, intense. And this one is like um, it's like that bit in The Godfather, you know, in The Godfather, yeah. where everyone is going to be attacked and you know it's going to happen. happen. And they're all, everything's gathering. It's that sense it's of the quiet before the storm. Yeah, the quiet yeah. before the storm. And, and the build-up is so brilliantly done. And you're working out how what, what's Tommy going to do? How is he going to sort it out? Is and there are twists. There's a, a couple of brilliant twists. The Peaky Blinders is. Mm. Twist-tastic. It is so clever you, at that. So the build-up was brilliantly tense. It's a bit like um, the Agatha Christie and then there were none, waiting for them to be picked off one by one. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. Yeah. So just bring it back. Yeah, always bring it back to Christie, always. <laughs> always. Um, and so I just thought it was... It's, it's just a really object lesson in, in an hour-long bit of TV. Tense. Yeah. The characters, we know the characters so well now after four series and they're all kind of behaving in the way you expect and yet some, sometimes they just divert. A Henry McCroy's character, you say, is what, it's just The f- development of that Polly. character is amazing. Yeah. And, the, and the ending, um, uh, as you say, no spoilers, but is so dramatic and yeah. it will leave you reeling. Kay? Question. Now, is Helen McCroy's character having an, a breakdown and why did she hate Tommy? Okay, so they all hate Tommy because in the beginning of this episode, he, he gives them all up. He, he betrayed g- them. At the end of last series, of he betrayed them. What, to get yeah. his OBE? Well, f- no, it's complicated. complicated. Okay. It's incredibly complicated. I'll watch but it, But he worry. betrays them, but he betrays them for a reason. Okay. Getting the OBE is just a sideline. Yeah. Oh. Can I just funny. say, right, you know I hate scary things, violence. I thought you this. No, but when it comes in the form of Sill Kill, I'm yeah. into it. Oh, yeah. If, you know, if he's committing the violence, and those blue eyes and those chiseled cheeks, yeah. I'm into it yeah. in a big way. Absolutely. I think we're all um, very excited and very happy with the turn of Peaky Blinders. Yeah. How many stars are we going to give it? Steph Seeland. Uh, for me, this is five star. I love Peaky Blinders. K. Ribeiro. Five stars. Five stars for me. <gasps> it's a triple five. It's a rare, very rare, triple agreeance. It is a triple agreeance. We may have fallen out about um, Hercule Poirot's Let, oh. waistcoat, but we're all agreeing. It's not about the waistcoat, boys. We're all agreeing about Peaky Blinders. Let's move on. So Peaky Blinders, let me remind you, begins on the BBC Two television um, next Wednesday, the 15th of November at 9 of the p.m. I don't understand this scheduling. Why is it on on Wednesday? What does that matter? Because it should. it's a Saturday night. It's so good. It's not no, Saturday night, you lunatic. I don't think it should be a Saturday This is someone who her whole life is watching Netflix. You have no idea when things are. It's yeah. always a midweek show. I'm going to be totally honest and that, say that is absolutely true. I, am watching <laughs> I know. Netflix, so I have no concept of yeah, scheduling. No concept of it. It's never about? been on Saturday night in its entire life of four anyway, series. So yeah, Wednesday. What a good day to Yeah, it's on. brilliant. Let us move on. I sound like a bit like a vicar there, didn't I? Let us pray. Let us pray. The boy with a top knot is a 90-minute one-off uh, drama. It's based on the book of memoirs 
by a oh. journalist, Satnam Sangera, who was a journalist at the Times, and he, he wrote this book about um, what it was like being born to traditional Punjabi parents growing up in Wolverhampton. Um, and then, you know, he, became, he went to Cambridge, became a very successful journalist, doing big interviews with the likes of Simon Cowell for the Times. And, um, and he wrote this memoir. And I remember, I read, I read this book, and I remember um, we considered it for the South Bank Awards. And it was, you know, and I think it might have even been nominated. I can't remember. And, um, and it, I remember thinking, God, I've got, I should dredge up something in my life and turn it into a book. You know, I'm a yeah. journalist. I interview Simon Cowell. I, and then, but his book is so good. Have you read I the want, book? No. Oh. And I watched this and I immediately went on to Amazon because I was like, I right. think I need to read this. It's so well written. And it was oh. like, oh, well, I could never do a book as good as this. So, um, oh, you could, even, Boyd. But it is interesting that it's one of the most interesting things. And then they've turned it into this 90-minute um, uh, one-off drama. And it's very interesting for me, like to see a thing where it shows him as a journalist, yeah. kind of as a grown-up journalist in the present day, um, and, and he's been commissioned to write interviews with Simon Council, and, and, and you see him in his office. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's almost that is that's closest to what, what we what do. We do. Mm. Only we don't get to drive Ferraris. If, yeah. Right, well, yeah, he, got, he got, gets to drive he's a Ferrari to nice go wheels. Simon Cowell. So almost that was one fascinating thing. It's about someone. It could be one of us. This could be one of us. Full disclosure, I had no Maybe, idea this was a true story. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, no, I go. was like, oh, this is just really <laughs> that's good. That's brilliant. So, you know, if one of us comes up with a, a, a book, a book of memoirs that gets turned into a 90-minute film, if you, Simon, could be reviewing that here now. Anyway... Oh my God, do you know what? I just want to say I would do that, something autobiographical. Biographical, and do you know who I'd get to play Boyd? Who? David Suchet. <gasps> right. Oh my God, I'm going to do one and I'm going to call it Why I Don't Like Ricky Whittle. That's what it's going to be called. <laughs> But you yeah, wouldn't get him to play Ricky title. Whittle. It's quite an eye-catching title for the book. Yeah. Okay. You could have Whittle appearing as like a figure. Yeah. In the book, like in this in this yeah. book, his his younger self with the top knot, yeah, which um, appears throughout and Topless, sort of vision as is his favourite mode of being. Visions of Whittle could that could be <laughs> that could be that could be great. That could turn yeah. out really well. Yes. Okay. So, um, Kay, so what did you think of this? I mean, you could set up more than I've set up a bit. Do you want to? Do you want to? I, re- I really, yeah. I really, really like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I thought we're giving our verdicts. No, I really enjoyed this because I think I could relate to it a lot because it's, it's about second-generation Asian um, and the two different worlds. You know, obviously his family's very traditional. Explain that you are a second... Well, a, I can Asian. also relate. I mean, yeah. if, if people go, can't understand, I'm saying I relate to it. I know, if they think I'm English. <laughs> yeah, but they, I don't know. I am brown. Yeah. <laughs> listeners, I very much am brown. Indian parents. But my, unlike, unlike um, his parents, so... Mine are Catholic, non-traditional, as in they're very, like, liberal. My sister's married to a white man, unlike him, who, you know, every one of his cousins, is, I think he says he's got 54 first cousins that are all married to Sikh women, and that's what his mum wants him to do. She's very traditional. She wants him to have an arranged marriage, to, and she keeps on... It's hilarious, because she keeps on saying, I've got this lovely girl, and she'll compare, compare her she to like Cheryl Cole, yeah. or she looks like um, Kylie Minogue and stuff. But he is very resistant because obviously he's found this, you know, he's created this new life for himself. He's quite, he's top of his game. He's a bit of an egotist, you know, Mm. he's always going on about getting a first at Cambridge. And like he's living these two different lives, these two different worlds. And what's interesting is that you can do that up to a point, but then inevitably they have to collide. And it collides because he's got an English fiance. And it's come to the moment where he needs to tell his parents. And so he goes to Wolverhampton to, um, tell them he feels sick because he thinks he's going to be disowned. And um, when he gets there, he unwittingly discovers that his father's got a mental health issue. And, um, and then he kind of goes to an appointment and he realises that any kind of stress or shock could just set, set him off because he, he has schizophrenia. And, you know, so then he's in this position where he can't tell them the truth. He's stuck in between a rock and a hard place because he wants to tell them. His, his fiance really wants him to tell tell them but he also doesn't want to like um for his father's health to deteriorate and it, i just found it really interesting but also uh, i've got to say the observations the cultural observations mm. are brilliant so i can say confirm that there's two things that really stood out how he did something to upset his mom and his aunt in india knew about it before he did right because <laughs> the mom the mom had called her in india i can confirm <laughs> that does happen with auntie lorna you're yeah, auntie lorna absolutely I mean, she's naming names yeah well i'm gonna tell you one more thing as well because i know i'm very confident my mom won't listen to this and for her insanity to be exposed right <laughs> there's a scene in this where basically um he goes back to his parents home they're going to india and he goes through this he's weighing their suitcases which are so incredibly heavy which is what always happens because they pack it full of shit and so he opens it up and there's like random objects in there in this case four coconuts right (laughs) now my mum has never packed coconuts but the kind of crap she puts in the suitcase they they are so heavy they can't physically be lifted and one time 
god. Yeah, my sister and her now husband, Chris, went to um, Goa. They're going on holiday. Mum sent some stuff back, right? Obviously, all the stuff they could get there, plus an additional item, which was a blowtorch, right? Now, <laughs> send, <laughs> no, listen to a this. A blowtorch yeah. to so, Goa. Yeah, well, to Bombay. So my, my sister, <laughs> who I've got to say, Clay, like disclaimer, she's a very intelligent woman, right? And my, my brother-in-law as well, as, he's a member of the police, right? So he's got... He's, he's a member of the police. He, that a, club. Yeah, yeah, that club of intelligent people. Yeah. Yeah. Law-abiding citizens. Yeah. So they did this because obviously you can't, you know, reason with a mad woman. Yeah. Rightfully so, got stopped. <laughs> and their reasoning, they had to say, her reason. They, she sent it to help my aunt, Auntie Lorna, with her creme brulee. <laughs> Hey, you've got to write a memoir called The Girl with a Blowtorch. <laughs> it's got to happen. So, I, want to, I, want to, I want this to be commissioned you, and written yeah. and starring... Why not buy blowtorches in Bombay? But why would you send it? Oh, I don't know. God, anyway, so it just, you know, yes. there's a lot of cult, funny the, cultural observations. Absolutely, and the book is full of one, it, it, incredibly funny. Obviously, it, the, the, so the drama, one of the great things about this for me is that it's distilled. The book has a lot about those cultural things that happened to him when he was a, when he was a yeah. boy and he's growing up and that's still happening now when he goes back to see the and they're brilliant, brilliantly observed, and they're very funny. They're hilarious. Whilst also weaving in this, the revelations about the mental health issues of his family. It's bittersweet. Yeah, oh, it's, it's it completely bittersweet. Yeah, but I thought the I, I thought this ninety-minute drama very cleverly let the um, cultural observations that are very funny happen, kind of almost in the background, like the mm. suitcase scene, which is very funny as you say. But then when the the revelations about yeah. the family's mental health issues come and he because he doesn't know one of the great um, ideas about it is his job is to interview famous people mostly who he doesn't know and find out about their lives he doesn't he's never done that with his own family and one of the great things that we're reminded of constantly in this drama is he's literally ends up having to interview members yeah. of his family his mum his aunt his dad and his sister well, like like he does Simon Cowell, just to get yeah. to and, and hit the realization in him that he's having to do this to finally understand what yeah. the family and what made them tick and what's happened to them in the past is so. I found it so moving. It, I thought it was incredible. I found this really emotional to watch because the fact is, what he'd done is he kind of put certain members of his family in boxes and decided that's that's what they are. That's what he's. He, my dad's like this. My mum's like this. My sister and brother they're this way. My cousins are this way. And I'm the person who's gone off, had a career, gone to Cambridge. Like that was his. Like you said, that's kind of his opening gambit to everything. Oh, I got a first from Cambridge, and that he had gone, moved away from the family, trying to just was happy with what they were, and that he'd made this life for himself. But now he kind of it's this very emotional journey of re having to kind of stumbling to reinsert himself into his family life through wanting to tell them something about his new life and actually discovering more about his own yeah. family. And I found it, I found it so beautifully done. It's like yeah, another one of same. these dramas that has just been so well put together and make, makes you think without you realising you're thinking, if you know You know, I mean. I've realised, Kate's about to say so you really want to say something, we haven't no. mentioned the, the fact guy, that Sasha Dewan yeah. plays Satnam Sangera. Sasha Dewan, who was in um, The History Boys, he was in Sherlock last series. He's oh, he brilliant. was in that um, the ISIS drama as well, He was in the he? ISIS drama. Um, he's fantastic and he is brilliant as Satnam Sangera. And who, who plays who, He's a real person, by the way. His girlfriend is played by Joanna Vanderham. She also was very good. Absolutely brilliant. They both make, I think, quite hard to make, like, journalists. She's a journalist as well. In this, especially us, I, we are journalists, the three of us. Um, I found it <laughs> completely believable, like their portrayal yeah, of yeah. themselves, and that, I thought that's that's a hard thing to get right. And Kay's champing at the bit. No, only I wanted to tell you that Geeta from EastEnders was in it, <laughs> which I was really excited about. She is yeah. the auntie, yeah. And Deep T Naval plays Satnam's mother, and Anupam it's, Kerr, played fantastic. The mum is so good. I believe the mother so was good. She mother with the star for me. I thought she was. She yeah. just played it. Perfectly. The, perfect. the mother brought me to like brought me to tears because she's such a stoic Asian mother who's had to endure so much. And there's this end part where there's this great scene where he tries he tells her in a in a way of what's happening. And just like as you're watching her taking that news, yeah, I was just yeah. I couldn't stop crying. I was like, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I, I have a slight fear that um, it might be another I know, full I house because too. I'm giving it five effing stars. Yes, yeah, I don't so care I. what you two think. Yeah, you must. Me watch too. It. Five stars. But I mean, I'm not going to let it interrupt my five starness. No. Kay's giving it five stars. I'm going to give it Stephanie five too. We're all. It's yeah. So the boy with the top knot. I'm not sure if this has ever happened. We've had two things with no, the full really three quality five drama. star treatment, and, and it's on um, next Monday on BBC Two at nine o'clock. Do not miss it. That's why we call it the Unmissables. Yeah, you shouldn't miss it. Finally, next Saturday, next Sunday, even the Sunday night period drama slot, 
uh, is taken over by a new four-part version of the classic Ian Forster novel, Howard's End, which was a film. Do you remember, has anyone seen the film with Tony Hopkins? Um, oh, yeah. Yes, Helena Bonham of Carter. Course. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a good film. What Merchant Ivory film. film. Yeah, yeah. I love a bit of Merchant um, Ivory. Yeah, Emmett Thompson. I mean, you know, does it get better Big than names. that? But now, that was oh, quite yeah. a long time ago no, now. It now it's back in this new four part version. And I have to say, the credentials of this are pretty damn good. It's written, it's adapted by Kenneth Lonergan. He's an actual proper Hollywood writer director. He did Manchester by the oh. Sea. And I think he won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. He won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. Yes. Casey won for Best Actor. Yes. Manchester by the Sea, the most brilliantly brilliant depressing film you'll ever see. Yeah. He has adapted. Sign me up. It's been depressing a- the whole way through. He has adapted, I'm going to get it out, this <laughs> screenplay of Howard's End. And it's directed by Hetty MacDonald who is a BAFTA-winning director, and she's very good and done loads of good stuff. It stars Hayley Atwell, the brilliant Hayley Atwell, as Margaret Schlegel, who is, um, she's a kind of idealistic young woman courted by an older guy called Henry Wilcox, played by Matthew McFadden, who's the kind of um, patriarch of this family, quite wealthy family. He's a self-made businessman. And um, his wife, played by Julie Ormond. Oh, welcome back, Julie Ormond, to the yes, screen. Yes, very exciting. Dies unexpected. And he becomes the owner of this big house called Howard's End. So if you're wondering Howard's End, the title is about, it's kind of like Brideshead, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Brideshead was the name of this big, huge, big place that the whole story revolved around. This time it revolves around this house, Howard's End. And meanwhile, Margaret's younger sister, Helen Schlegel, played by Philippa Coulthard, she meets this guy called Leonard played by Joseph Quinn, who's a young bank clerk, who's like lower middle class. This is all about class. So these are these posh people, and he's a kind of lower middle class. And, and it's you know Abe from his whole look and his whole manner is kind of quite, something quite not quite right mm. about him. He's not very confident in himself. He has issues. And at one point, the posh sister remarks about his umbrella not being a good enough umbrella, saying it's a kind of whatever the line of dialogue is. And he's embarrassed and he has to scuttle away with his not particularly posh umbrella. So it's all about kind of cross-class romance and conflict, and um, what did we think of Howard's End? Well, I love a bit of narration, I have <laughs> to say. No, it's true, I do. I, I can get on board with things, and it's narrated the whole way through. It's narrated by he- the Helen character, right? Yep. That's her. Yes, I thought it was very, you know, I, I mean, I love a period drama, and I love Julie Ormond, and obviously, sadly, she's not with us for, for too long, but, um, yeah, I just thought, again, it was a really great, Drama. I mean, I do have to say, I do love the film. I thought this was just as good. I think everyone's going to want to watch this on Sunday nights. Of course, yeah. Sunday night, BBC One, nine o'clock. Brilliant. Matthew McFadden, obviously, he's well versed in doing period dramas. Costumes are great. Everything's great. Every, really, really well acted. Let's just say, though, the thing that I found the most shocking was that Tracy Ullman is in this. So I didn't even mention you that. Adjust yeah. your, Sorry. Adjust your vision. Because yes. I have to say, obviously, Tracy Ullman, an incredible, incredibly famous comic. What you, what I did have to do was kind of because it's really hard because she's obviously a great character actress. And yeah. So it took me a little while, I have to say, to get used to her being in it and then not her not saying a funny line afterwards. That was my that's my only yeah. slight gripe with it. She plays yeah she plays the aunt interfering aunt who kind of looks over um, the sisters and their brother also the young brother Tibby played by Alex Lawther who was in that um, you know that effing youth drama series we reviewed a couple of weeks ago no. on Channel 4. Yeah, he's in that. Alex Lord, yeah, he's the, he's the young, he's the psychopath guy in that. Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah, see? Oh, and Kay. I... Was, yeah, um... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Taken aback by the Alex Lord, the casting news. No, because... I, yeah, because I was going to tell you that... Um, What's his chops? Joseph Quinn, who's Leonard Bast, was also in Time Wasters. Yes. We did recently. Yes. He was the Lord in that. And he was in Dickensian. Which oh, I really yeah. loved. Do you remember yeah. he was Arthur well, Havisham? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Everyone was into Kenzie, weren't they? I mean, yeah, pretty but, much but all the all the names, all the greats. Um, I really liked. I really liked Aunt um, Julia's uh, played by Tracy Ullman because she reminded me of. And I forgot that Room with a View was also written by Ian Forster, yes. which is one I actually prefer. A Room oh, with a View. Oh dear. And she reminded me of Aunt Lucy, played by um, oh God, Maggie Smith, <laughs> in that kind yes. of role. Um, thought it was a really good drama. It's not my favourite of his books. I read it. Coincidentally, at the beginning of the year, do you remember? And I said it to you at the time. Oh, yeah. You said it was one of your preferred Ian Forster books, and I was like, hmm. yeah. no, I, love I, it, yeah. I got through it more than enjoyed. It is interesting. <laughs> the book. Oh, okay, it is interesting because um, it, the story itself. When I, when I was reading, describing it, I suddenly thought halfway through the describing the story, I was thinking. It doesn't sound like a gripping narrative. Do you know what I mean? And one of the interesting things about the book is, and clearly you found this, mm. the story itself, because it's kind of about um, 
people. It's a it's, it's a social commentary. It's a social it? commentary, yeah, and it's a very it's almost like the romances develop almost by the by, mm. and the um, the dramas happen. You know. It's small incidents. It's all about... And a lot of the stuff is like this. Yeah. It's all about tiny little moments, like the umbrella, the woman taking the wrong umbrella, and, you know, that his umbrella gets taken by her when they go to a concert by mistake, and the implications of that. It's all about tiny little interactions, and it's, so it's all about the detail, really, is I, what I'm trying to I say. I think that, for me, was probably... I, I liked it, yeah. but I think I'm very used to there being, like, Big things that Incident. happen. Big. This was a scene setting episode, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and it was just a kind of like a you know like a just kind of like a small, yeah. slow moving but very nice train. I wonder if like because in the book Leonard is more. I wonder if they're going to develop him obviously much oh, more in the second episode because totally, yeah. they just kind of like it was he was briefly touched upon. I feel well, that, he was. He will definitely come to the fore in, mm. in, in future episodes because it kind of ends up yeah. being all about him to some extent. The story, I think, but. Um, I'm, I was when they first announced this, it's a four-parter, and I was surprised that they were doing four parts. Mm. Part, that's four hours. I was thinking oh, that's interesting because the, the story is quite, and the story itself is quite slow-moving in a way. And it's um, but it's very. I thought it was very. If you're a fan of the book, like I am, I, I thought it was a really well cast and well written and beautifully directed version of the book. But I would just caution people: it's not. It isn't. It isn't the fastest moving. Mm. You know, when we're used to. I mean, even that crime period drama that's been on Sunday nights that we reviewed on the show with the army people. Yeah, those names the last forgotten. post. Thank you, the last post. Um, you know, that is full of incident and yeah. it moves very quickly. This is a different, totally different pace. I still think it's really good, but just in case people you know, think they're getting something dazzlingly thrilling, okay, it's so not like that. I suppose you don't have to pay complete attention to it. Cause, like, you're not going to miss anything if you, do you know, I suppose, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't really miss anything. I won't if go you, that far. Like, well, you don't really, do you? Like, you could go and make a you cup of tea. You could do the iron and go and make a cup of tea. You don't, you don't, it's not like something you have to absolutely have to pay really close attention to. It is that slow moving, Boyd. It really is. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think you probably, I, I'm not going to countenance not paying attention to it, I'm afraid. I'm okay, pay attention. But, you know, okay, I hear what you're saying. Glacial speed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, glacial. <laughs> it is glacial. You use the G word. Mm. It's glacial, but it's like people well, who love Downton and things like that will like it, won't they? Because it's all period dramas and um, like stuff like that. <laughs> well, you know. It's no Downton. No, Downton no, was a soap. This is a very, very much Downton a kind of. Downton was a soap. Of course it was. Downton's a soap opera. It was a, it was a, it was a period drama soap opera. It was that. the soapiest period drama ever. This is, this is a, this is a class above. Okay. I think. Anyway, I'm giving it four, four and a half stars. Which one? Four, four and a half. Yeah. Four. four. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to. Um, four, four. It's a three for me. Well, I'm sorry. Can I adjust mine? Because I got scared that I was going to get in trouble for the unit four. I would say it's three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> never, never live in fear with your score. When you say get in trouble, what do you think is going to happen? Boy's I mean, going to take you out and beat take you. you out. What? Someone don't, don't, in this day and age, don't say that. People won't take it seriously. He has never beat me to date. Boy, please don't beat me again. No, <laughs> no. Just... I just you look. I just was worried. I didn't want to offend your love of the book, but can it is a hundred percent a three and a half. While we're while we're just clearing stuff up, that boy doesn't beat us. Can I just quickly say also that my mum is coming back from India, and I don't want any customs officials to check her bags because she won't be carrying anything dangerous. I'm sure, and I need her to come back. Okay, thanks. She <laughs> will be bringing you back a bag. I have to say, when we first started this podcast about eight hours ago, I was not expecting a message no. to customs officials <laughs> to be. Well, we're policymakers, officials, policymakers oh, in your face. Yes, we just like, oh my God, it's just like Alec Baldwin um, all over again. The policymakers. Well, that is the meat of the show over with. And it's now... Question, question time. And for this week, in honour of the return of classic period gangster drama Peaky Blinders, what, pray tell, is your favourite television or film? Or you could even do a book. I mean, I'll just add it that on. now. Ooh. One book a year, Boyd, come on. <laughs> Depiction of gangsters. You know what I'm saying, Steph? I, I, I know what you're God. saying. The way you, you say gangster, you know Steph? what I'm saying. He's going to take you out. I am looking at you. Okay. I'm going to say Martin Scorsese's The Departed, which is one of my all-time favourite films. <laughs> the first time, the I first time that Martin Scorsese, that. Scorsese won an Oscar, and it was richly deserved for The Departed, which is an incredible film featuring Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio. The interesting thing about that is, and I, I love The Departed as well, but one of the things mm -hmm. that people said about that is that he should have won the Oscar before for other films, oh, gosh, like yeah. Goodfellas, yeah, for example. A lot of people say Goodfellas is better. Casino no. 
another great game of he's did. Mean Streets. People say these are better than, the than Departed. that. I think if The Departed had come first, everyone would say The Departed was better. The Departed Steph, is an absolutely wonderful film. Steph doth stand alone. I doth stand ever. alone, as ever, and that's fine. I'm yeah. an island. No, an enough. island of my own opinion. K-Rib. <laughs> Um, well, as you know, I probably haven't wa- I haven't watched a lot of gangster movies, so I'm going with uh, Broadwalk Empire. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go with Broadwalk Empire. Yeah, because that's what it's called. Broadwalk Empire was as you'll the know as a fan. little known oh, sequel in which um, Broadwalk. Why is Broadwalk? Is it's not. Broadwalk? It doesn't exist. No. Whereas Broadwalk Empire, all about the Broadwalk yeah. in Bro- uh, a Broadwalk is not a thing. No. It's fine. But you love collapsed. it, yeah? Kay's collapsed you... into a fit into <laughs> what a... Do you like do you know what? what do you like about I it? I tell you what, I tell you why I've just collapsed, right? Because I always get that title wrong. So I actually wrote it down on my paper just to make sure I got it right. right. I've written it as Broadwalk. And if you think, oh, we're, re- if you think we're re-recording this so we get the, the title right, we are you, not. I know what you're thinking, thinking of. Broadchurch. Yeah, exactly. Ah, Broadchurch, yeah, Walk Empire. Totally different thing. Thanks for the save, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Boardwalk. I'm just crossing it. Right. Yeah, Empire. And because I love Michael Pitt. And oh yeah, great, Michael Pitt is great. Michael mm. Pitt is great. Um, thank you. Broadwalk Empire uh, hey, Boyd. is great. Boyd, yes? I mean, I just want you to let you know that Broadwalk Empire is taken. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to pick that. I'm not going to pick that. I mean, we well, don't pick it because it's not a thing. When well, I actually make that, you're going to be feeling really bad. Oh my bad. God, do you know what Broadwalk, Broadwalk Empire is? It's the new Frasier. That's what it is. It is that yeah. is the Frasier no, of this episode. She's trying. It's not. No, it is. <laughs> Frasier, you mean the, the new, the when new you Motherland? Land, Motherland is yeah. the British she compared, Frasier. For anyone who didn't listen last week, me, she compared Motherland to, to Frasier. Frasier. Yeah, Maverick. Um, I, I think, for me, I'm torn between uh, my two... Scarface, the Brian De Palma version, and because I'm a huge fan of Brian De Palma, yeah. so I've already gone on about it before. Yeah, this is the second week of you talking about Brian I know, De Palma. and obviously Scarface is absolutely incredible piece of filmmaking. I love it, and mm-hmm. you know, watch it every six months and um, <laughs> religiously. religiously. And, Where and are they've you just in the had they've just had a brilliant um, collab with Supreme, of course, so you can get you know Supreme oh Scarface T-shirts. This, this is much, merch drop, but I'm not going to pick phone drop. Yeah, so many drops, but I have to pick. One of the greatest films of all time in any genre, The Godfather Part 2. I mean, the whole Godfather saga is incredible, but The Godfather Part 2 is one of the best five probably films ever made and is extraordinary and brilliant and features the great, one of the, my favourite scenes in all of cinema, Al Pacino and Diane Keaton, when they're talking about the fact that Diane Keaton has um, aborted her baby and it mm. is one of the all-time great scenes. Very in film grim history. way to end. Well... It's not, it's not real, it's a drama, it happened, and the film came out in 1975, so I think it's fine. Um, but thank you very much. That is it for this week's podcast, Stephanie Seelan hey. and Kay Ribeiro. Why don't we talk, tell people how to rate and review us? Oh, oh yeah, because God. I quickly just want to say, we've got about 40-something reviews, and I really want to get up to 50 by Christmas, so come on, Pogs. You can help us with you this. Help us. Help just us. good reviews. Five stars. Good iTunes. point. So it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.